I want to go back to the book of Proverbs this morning, catch some of the most familiar verses of all. Chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will make your path straight. There's a challenge that comes with that idea of trusting God enough to alter what we would normally do or to alter what is kind of a gut instinct or even what our mind is telling us at times. Um, it's like when you're reading the scripture and you get to a passage and it gives a directive and you're going, man, I could see where that would apply in this setting, but then I have to make that choice. Do I trust this book that was written a long time ago or do I trust what seems to be in the moment? And that the challenge coming out is one that people have faced for centuries. It's, am I going to trust the Scripture or am I going to trust myself? In the same way, when we're in prayer and we have this sense that this is the decision or the route that I need to go, and it's, there's that sense of, I think the Lord is speaking to me, but do I trust Him enough to actually follow through with that? Because there are times when it, it looks kind of dark or it looks like that doesn't seem like the best choice of when I line everything up, pros and cons, and you know that, that side is missing some stuff except for this intuition or what we would say is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And, and there's that challenge of, okay, what do we do? So in, in this, um, it's that idea if, that if I trust God and his capabilities enough, then I will rely on him more than I rely on myself. The older translations were, were more literal, and they said, lean not on your own understanding. And uh, the idea that comes from that is that, you know, you can, you can find support in other things. You can find support in the Lord if, if you will allow him to carry you in that sense. Um, Jeremiah makes this declaration. He says, We know that people do not control their own destiny. It is not in their power to determine what will happen to them. Well, we know that we can affect a lot of things, but ultimately, there's this knowledge that it's bigger than us, right? There was a... Um, in Ezekiel, there's a passage about this idea of leaning on a staff or something. And the idea in the Old Testament was that they would, they would use reeds as kind of walking sticks. But sometimes when those things were growing, they would bruise and there would be a, a weak spot. And so they would, really wouldn't know whether that thing was strong or not until they actually leaned on it. So it, it could be a bit dangerous. By the time you put your weight on it, it's going to fall apart. And so he says uh, in Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel, he's giving an illustration about Egypt and Israel leaning on them for political support and strength. And he says, about the time they leaned on you, you just broken, you know, under them. It's, it says, you were a reed staff for the house of Israel. When they grasped you with their hand, you broke and tore their shoulders. When they leaned on you, you splintered and caused their legs to be unsteady. So it's lean not on your own understanding. Don't rely on yourself. It's just like, 
you put your weight on, on your mind or just all that you can think of, he says it's not quite enough to get you through. And there's a good chance of it break, your life breaking in this sense. So that said, uh, the psalmist goes on and he says, it is better to take shelter in the Lord than to trust in people. So even when we, we go seeking advice, he says, there is a better source even than that. Do not trust in princes or human beings who cannot deliver. Uh, interesting idea, isn't it? So that said, I want to go back through some of the, track some of the things about this idea of trusting in the Lord and acknowledging Him. Because that, the acknowledge that term is that idea of to know someone enough that you, you, they, it has a stronger sense of what we're used to using it with. To acknowledge this, to know, to rely, to know that they're reliable, okay? So it says of Pharaoh, he says, who's the Lord that I should obey him? I don't know the Lord. In other words, you're asking me to do something about some, for someone that I don't know, don't ask me to trust him and, you know, and respond to that. Letter later on, a little later on, yeah. <laughs> little, I got it through the first time. <laughs> I won't try it again. Um, when Moses was leading the people through the desert, he gets to a place where God says, I want you to speak to the rock. Remember, he'd already struck it and water had come out. Then God's saying, I want you to speak to the rock and trust that water will flow. And Moses is angry at the people, and, and he's angry, just angry. Strikes the rock. And water does come, but God says, because you didn't acknowledge me as holy, because you didn't rely on me, you didn't trust me, he says, uh, you're not entering the promised land. So there's repercussions with this failure to trust. And so it's not just a simple of, you know, you know if, if it's not an optional exercise, so to speak, where we're going, okay, yeah, it's good to trust in the Lord, um, I did that once and it worked, you know. But the, the presentation of Scripture says this needs to become a lifetime habit and pattern. And so Moses in this instant, he's angry and he strikes and he gets a good result. But the, the effect of it is that he's no longer allowed to enter into the promised land. And so the, the, the challenge is thrown out there and saying, Am I truly trusting in him? Or am I walking in my own strength a good share of the time and then every now and then I, you know, whisper a prayer? Joshua, when, when he's about to lead the people into the promised land, remember he replaces Joseph, or Moses, and he has this encounter with the Lord, and the Lord is speaking to him in the first chapter, and, and he's just saying, okay, it's time for you to take these people and go. And, and it would have been very intimidating. You know, you're going into a place that's well-established. Uh, the cities had walls around them. They had their systems set. They had armies. And yet he's taking a group, and they're going to conquer. And the Lord speaks to him and says, be strong and courageous. In other words, that's one of the fruit of trust, Right? 
If I trust God, then there's a, a courage that rises up in me that says, this will work. This is possible. So Joshua is being called and he said, you know, you, you have all these people. You want to take the next step? You're going to have to trust me. Be strong and courageous. And he says, then you're going to experience success. Be careful to obey all that I tell you. And you'll experience success out of this. Eli's sons were told, it was said of them, it says, they did not acknowledge the Lord's authority, and they were wicked men. Jeremiah makes a statement when people are, the nation of Israel is in trouble, and they're about to face complications from other nations. He says, this will happen because my people are foolish. They do not know me. So again, that idea of understanding and knowledge. Let's take a look at the life of Paul and some of the examples that carry this through. In 2 Corinthians, he makes a statement when they're under a lot of stress. And he says, we felt the sentence of death. We were sure we were going to die, is what he's saying. We just knew there was no way out. So, but we had to trust ourselves in the Lord or in God. We, could, we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And he makes this declaration. He says, God raised Jesus from the dead. He was capable of getting us out of that situation. In the, uh, in the book of Acts, when Paul and Silas are going through one of their missionary journeys, they start to head into Asia, and it says the Holy Spirit stopped them. And then they start to make another turn, and it says the Spirit of Jesus would not let us enter. And, and if you are reading between the lines, you're going, we tried this. It, we didn't, it, it just wasn't coming together. So we made another choice, and we tried that too, and that wasn't coming together either. Ever been in that situation? Not pleasant, is it? You know, it's one of those times where you're just kind of going, I'm not sure what to do. And yet, I know I have to do something. And, and then it says, he received, uh, the Lord spoke to him in the night through a vision. And, and so the, the beauty of this moment is, is that they're struggling, they're trying to get things done, they know that God hasn't opened the door anywhere, and then suddenly it's there in front of them. He says, I saw a man from Macedonia saying, help us, come here. And so there's this awareness they now have direction from the Lord, and, and they take off. Now, it didn't all go smooth, that's for sure. And, and in Philippi, they got there. They saw Lydia saved. They saw some others come to the Lord. They also received an incredible beating and then a release from jail. But, you know, the Lord was guiding their steps even in it. Later on, he's in, a, in Corinth, and uh, again, he, he knows that he's got the city in a turmoil, and it, it looks like he's going to get another beating. You know, he's already had a, a number of them. And it, it just, it has all the feel of what's happened in the past. And yet the Lord speaks to him at night and says, don't be afraid, speak, do not be silent because I'm with you and no one will assault you to harm you because I have many people in this city. 
So in that, in that moment, he just says, it's okay. It's going to be taken care of. That's that idea of trusting the Lord, leading not on our understanding. All your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. There's another story in Acts that uh, is powerful. Paul was heading to Rome. He was under prison guard. The centurion was with him. And they get partway into the journey, and it's close to winter, and the ships, it's real sketchy whether they should be sailing or not. And so Paul says, and the Lord has spoke to me, if we, if we go, there's going to be a lot of trouble. And the centurion talks to the boat owner and to the captain, and they all go, no, we can make it. It'll work. And so they take off sailing, and, it, and they hit a storm almost immediately. It's called a northeaster. It's a hurricane force winds. Um, I'm assuming it was cyclone force winds and in the southern hemisphere. I, I'm not sure of that, but maybe northern, I guess. But hurricane cyclones, I should have looked it up. But anyway. That said, they get into a lot of trouble. And so they, they go for several days, and uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't go make headway, so they finally just let the ship go where it's going to go. Leave out the anchor and just hang on. They then find a place where they can put supports under the ship because they're afraid it's just going to break into pieces. Then they begin throwing cargo overboard. It's like, whatever's not necessary, let's get rid of. And then it gets worse, and they throw all the tackle overboard. So all the extra pieces, parts are gone. And it continues. And it says, neither the sun or stars appeared for many days. Continued, the storm battered us, and we finally abandoned all hope of being saved. Then Paul hears from the Lord. And he says, there were many among them that had no desire to eat. Paul stands up and says, you should have listened to me. <laughs> Told you so. Um, Keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you. Only the ship will be lost. So it's not going to be great, great, but at least we're going to get out of this alive. Then he goes on, and, and when the the Sailors sense that the ship's about to run aground. They're afraid that it's going to hit the rocks. And then they're all going to get broken up. And it goes through the thing. And then finally, Paul stands up and he says, um, it, it's time to eat. We've been 14 days. Some of you haven't eaten that whole time. So you can imagine the turmoil of that situation where you're so afraid, you're being bashed at every moment, and eating isn't even important. Maybe it wouldn't stay down. I don't know. Therefore, I urge you, he says, take some food. This is important for your survival. Not one of you will lose a hair from his head. And after that, he, said, he took bread, gave thanks, in front of them all broke it and began to eat. So he says, I have confidence. And he sets the example and says, it's time to eat. Things are going to work out. All of them found encouragement and took food. 276 persons on the ship. 
So in some ways, when God was speaking to him, he was saying, I'm going to protect your life. But he says, I'm going to protect all those around you as well. Pretty incredible. There are some other verses that I want to read out of Philippians. This is written by Paul, and it's the, it marks his life as to the trust that he held. And he writes to the Philippians, and, and some of them are in jail. Some of them have been having pretty difficult time in jail for spreading the gospel, not for their own stupidity. Okay? They were, they were being they were suffering because of the cause of Christ. And Paul makes this statement early on. He says, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So, in other words, what's been started in you in the Lord will not be aborted, it will not be changed, it will not be overcome, it will be completed. That's a powerful understanding. You know, most of us can say, I've, I know that God has saved my life. I know he's washed away my sin. I have no clue beyond that where, where this is all going. But I can have a confidence that says, if that work's been started, surely it'll be completed. God doesn't stop and do things halfway. He finishes them up. So what's been started can be completed. Later in that same book, he, uh, he says about anxiety. Do not be anxious about anything. Instead, with every situation, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, tell all your requests to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So again, you know, there are times when anxiety wants to take over our lives, right? And Paul's saying, it doesn't have to. Invest yourselves in the things that matter and know that the peace of God can override this situation. In that same chapter, he starts talking about finances, and he makes his declaration in the middle of it. He says, I'm able to do all things through the one who gives me strength. In other words, financially, it's going to work out. Both preceding and, and following that, he's talking about finances. We often take that verse and other things, and, and that's valuable. But the first application of it is to, with finance. He says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do whatever he's called me to do. I can do whatever he asks of me. I can trust him in this. What a powerful example. Um, I want to hit one last thing before I close. It was reminded me of, to me yesterday, I was in a, meeting with some others, and uh, somebody mentioned Matthew 18, and it's that verse of whatever, uh, if two of you on earth agree about anything, whatever you ask of my Father, heaven will do it for you. And we would love to pull that into every detail of life, and again, that is surrounded by the topic of forgiveness. So both preceding and following it. It's dealing with the topic of forgiveness. And truly, forgiving others is one of the most difficult things we encounter in life, right? 
when things aren't going quite right or there's a block and there's a, a, a something in us that just says, I don't want to let this go. Or I'm having a very hard time forgetting what they've done. Or I've got my list here of the things you said. I've got my list of texts that you wrote. <laughs> you know, and, and, and probably the best thing to do would be to erase those. And to say, God, I need some help in this. And maybe it's time to go to someone else and say, will you pray with me <laughs> and agree with me that this isn't to continue? And allow the Lord to release that in a way that's impossible in ourselves. I want to read those first verses again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely or lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. So be it, Lord. <laughs> Amen. Worship. I've probably read that passage in Proverbs hundreds of times. And the danger is that it becomes kind of calloused. And you just breeze on there. Oh, I know that one. And um, the challenge is to read it. And in this, like for this moment, say, do I trust you? You know, in application, we had looked at, do I trust you for direction of life? I know you started a good thing. Are you going to complete it? Do I trust you? Do I trust you that even though um, I, I know things are going okay, but I just don't have peace in this moment, do I trust you that you'll bring peace to me? Do I trust you with my finances? Do I trust you with issues of forgiveness? Those, you know, that's where it really kind of just applies itself, right? Lord, help us. If you would like prayer, that's available, of course. And uh, but what remains is open-ended worship. I remind you of the meal downstairs. Uh, I want to pray for God's blessing on you now. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to really trust you in all things. As each one goes into the community, I ask that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom, gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen.